What is up, everybody? Welcome back to In the Weeds. We, me, Sergio, and Alan are pumped today to have the CEO, founder, and the title he prefers most, the Shaderator of <laughs> uh, California-based brand uh, Blender's Eyewear on the show. Chase Fisher, thanks for being here today, man. Good to have you. Good to be here. Thank you so much. Awesome. So I, I think uh, for the most part, everybody, especially here in San Diego, is really familiar with Blender's. I personally wear them. I know a lot of our staff wears them. I know at a lot of our events and out in the town they wear them. We were up at Big Bear, goggles being worn. They're all over and flooded in the market. Um, But we want to go back in this podcast and really kind of dig into your roots and everything before this crazy, crazy journey started Um, and go back to, as we talked about beforehand, the starting line Um, and maybe even before the starting line, before you were in the race. Um, and kind of kick that, kick that off here. I know we have a, a bunch of questions, a bunch of is- interest, um, in general across the panel. So, uh, take us back, man. Like take us back to, to growing up to before, to before blenders, before, uh, where you're sitting now, I guess. For sure. So I'm from Santa Barbara. So, I mean, if you guys know Santa Barbara, it's a, it's a pretty cool spot. It's smaller San Diego, super small town, really big in like surfing and, you know, beach town, super cultural. Um, and so my background is actually action sports. So I grew up a comp- competitive surfer. Um, I started oh, cool. surfing when I was seven years old. And so um, I started competing when I was like 12. So I was always around a lot of, a lot of brands at a really young age and um, became sponsored and learned how to like what athletes and the brand relationship were looking like. Um, I was never good enough to go pro, but I was like committed to it. I loved it. Um, and I just thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Like when you're a kid and you get all this free stuff and you're doing all these cool things and you're reading all these athletes and you're going to all these contests, it's like, it's pretty cool, you know? So like mm-hmm. my passion for branding came at a really young age. Um, and like I said, I was never good enough to go pro, but I was good enough to self-market myself and learn like branding and self-marketing skills to get provide value to companies in other ways beyond my skills. Mm. Um, and so that's where I'm at. Well, that's where my background started. I moved to San Diego, um, after high school, went to San Diego state, joined the surf team there. And then just kind of like, just kept, kept that in my, in my back pocket. And then blenders kind of, you know, popped in one night. So, uh, that's rad. So Santa Barbara was your, your that's your hometown. Yeah, that's my hometown. Oh, I know. So Southern California is like that's your yeah, that's your roots. It's my home turf for sure. No kidding. So was 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 fashion like in your blood or like in your family or was this was this uh, something you were interested? You know, in? I mean, I always liked just like branding was really cool. So like I I just like was gravitated towards companies that like really like. What was your favorite one growing up, brand wise? I mean, I was doing a lot of Volcom contests. Cool. And so like Volcom was always like just out there. They were just wild, and they were always giving away free stuff. And so like. I was, I would literally come home from contests with like bags of free shit, like free sunglasses, free hats, free stickers. And like my first business was actually selling stickers that I would get at surf contests for free in high school. And so I'd I'd make about 10 bucks a day. Oh, you were working for someone selling stickers? No, no, I was doing it for myself. Oh, no way. So I would just get all this free shit. And I was like, I have so many things that I'm coming home with. Like, what do I do? And I just like put them in a sticker book and took them to school and started selling them. No way. How old were you? I was like, I was like 14, 15, you know, awesome. and so I was making like 10 bucks. So you're a day. reselling it, reselling. Yeah. The, so the I guess swag. I, that was my, yeah, I was reselling the swag, $0 in cog, zero overhead, like hundred percent profitability. <laughs> I was crushing it. <laughs> you, you said you early on, you were uh, drawn to, you know, marketing and branding yourself specifically. What, what would be an example of uh, a way you would brand or market yourself at such a young age? Yeah, so these were like during the MySpace days, right? When you had top eight, you had a lot of followers. Like if you were big on MySpace in those days and you learned how to like have a lot of friends and like take take photos, 
that was the value that I was providing. Like I wasn't providing like skill set, like, oh, I'm going to win every contest. Like, yeah, I'm going to do all the contests. I might not win, but I'm going to tell all my friends about you. I'm going to, I'm going to slap stickers on every street sign I see. For sure. I'm going to wear your products religiously. I'm going to talk about your products to everyone I know. Like that's the value that brands want. And like now, nowadays you look at that and you're like, dude, like those are what you, you want as your customers. Mm-hmm. If you can create your customers to do that, that's like, that's a, that's a real intimate culture, like cultural build and like yeah. building a community. So you were on MySpace. Oh yeah. I was crushing the game on MySpace. <laughs> I never had a MySpace. No. I, I, I missed the ball on that one. So yeah, yeah. So like I would just add people on MySpace to just try to build up my following. And then I would, I would like take photos in their products. I send them out to their, to the companies and I'd be like, Hey, I'm an up and coming surfer. I'm an amateur surfer. I'm competing on the surf team. Here are my contests. Here's my resume. Here's my photos. Like I would love to be part of your company. And I was getting like, I was getting sponsorships by like Hanson's energy drinks, monster, no shit. like sandal companies. And like, I was like carving a niche or a path and like sort of a, a, a area that no one's really done before because it's usually built on like skill you know what i mean yeah. and nowadays it's all built on like you know that's that's just one bucket you got to have skill you got to have social you got to have like relevance you know there's all these different categories that you mm-hmm. have to have that companies want to be that are looking for when they kind of have affiliation with i think that's like the quintessential like uh in the weeds like what this whole podcast is built around because a lot of people assume especially for like a surfer like any kind of um activity or like sport that's like skill based um it's like, oh, brands are flocking to these people who they want to represent their brand, but they don't realize that half the time, the majority of the time, it's people like you who are reaching out to brands. Um, and you see a lot of that, especially like with the Instagram age nowadays with influencers and whatnot. You know, a lot of them aren't just sitting back and having brands come to them. They're reaching out to brands and like pitching them, you know? Um, and I think that's like just the, the, the essence of like being in the weeds and like, you were putting the work in before it was like a thing to do that, you know? And, and it's so, it's so it, everything's attention based right now. Social media attention based and like attention is everywhere. So I guess that's like a good question for you. Cause you know, you're, the, you're on the other side of the table. So it's like, what do you, because there's so much attention on so many different people that may or may not be what you're looking for, may or may not be in action sports, but appear to be like, is the auditing process for you now, like difficult to be like, Hey, we want, we want this versus all the hundreds or thousands of other people who attention's on. Totally. I mean, and that's, that's the thing. Like you kind of learn that over time, but you, you don't learn that unless you've been like hosed a few times, mm-hmm. promised the moon and then just undershot. So like you have to weed out a lot of the, a lot of the like people that are shot that like say one thing and do another. So, um, you know, we've just learned how to vet influencers and athletes like so good that like we can read between the lines and we can read all the bullshit if they're going to do this and do that. And so, um, I think once you understand that, it becomes a lot easier. And mm-hmm. then you start affiliating your products and your brand around actual people that are providing real influence with like focused engagement and not just like, you know, oh, she's hot. She's, you know, and like, but her whole following's guys. You know what I mean? For They're sure. only following her because she's hot. And so I think like that connection, like you're saying, attention and storytelling and like that fiend for interaction these days is like at an all time high. And it, it goes way beyond just like looks. Have you had anybody that popped up that you're like, dude, that was me back in the day? Oh, for sure. I mean, we have like little like surfer guys walking into our office every day or like, hey, like, can I get some stickers? Can I get some, can I get some shades? Because like, I want to go sell, com- companies, go sell <laughs> stickers. Companies literally like emailing us like in envelopes and saying like, send me free stickers. Like, and it's like, dude, that was me. That was me when I was 10 years old. That's like, awesome. Companies, kids that are hitting uh, blenders now, are like I'm now the guy like, you know what? I was once you one day, like, 
sure, I'll send you some shades. I'll send you a box of stickers. Because I know what that's like. At such a young age, where does that mentality and that kind of work ethic come from? What did, was it from your parents? Was it somebody that was kind of like mentoring you? Where does that come from? I think it's just like I fell in love with surfing so much. And I was just so passionate about it that that be, like, kind of consumed me. And I just was obsessed with it. Um, and so I wanted to do whatever I could to be affiliated with that, whether or not that was like just my passion for surfing or like being involved in the industry somehow, some way. Mm. And so, um, you know, I was around a lot of really good surfers and these surfers were like really competitive and they were competing at high levels and they were sponsored by big companies. And like that just kind of made me want to be neck and neck with them somehow, some way. Um, and so like, you know, like, yeah, like my dad's also an entrepreneur. Mm. And so he started a business. Um, he started a pretty cool business as well, but like, I think just, yeah, I have it in my DNA, I guess you can say. But That's like, what I wanted to know, too. Is you know? Did, you, did you grow up around that? Was that, like, in your in your family or in your blood? Yeah, like, my dad, um, like, the movie Jerry Maguire, he, uh, he, he trademarked the line, show me the money, that famous line, show me the money. Oh, wow. So my dad saw that movie, and he thought it was going to be a huge catchphrase, trademark that, trademark that phrase. <laughs> and there was nine people after him that trademarked that phrase, and one of the, one of the people that trademarked it was TriStar Pictures who actually produced the movie. No. And so they didn't realize that that slogan was going to be such a big hit. And like my dad was broke at that time, broke, like in no money, like he just went through a gnarly divorce. It was heavy. And so he ended up selling that slogan to or to uh, TriStar Pictures and he's been doing <laughs> trademarks ever since. No And so way. like cr crazy shit, you know? That um, is nuts. So like every story, ha every story is like, is good with a struggle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Every story starts with a struggle. So I think like there's just a lot of like connection there, you know? So, I've never heard anything like that. That's incredible. That's a really cool story. It's, it's wild. Was that like for him? Was it was it a springboard into the next thing or what? Yeah, I mean, that's he, huge. he turned that show me the money into a clothing company, and then he just ended up selling that, and then like that just like he just started trademarking, like literally trademarking like slogans and and companies for people that wanted to start a business that didn't know what to do. Like before LegalZoom, before all the crazy corporate sure, stuff yeah. was out there, he was like the main guy doing it. Um, and so he had some, he had some big, some big success, you know, does he ever step into blunders? Oh yeah. He, he did. <laughs> he does all of our trademarks. No yeah. way. Nice. He does all my friends, trademarks, <laughs> all of our trademarks. So, wow. and that was, that was step one. When you start a business, like I just knew early on, cause I would hear him on the phone, like step one, you got to do a trademark search. Step two, you got to register your name. Like all these things, like you cannot start a business without getting your name trademarked and you have to protect it. And so like, what did I do when I started blunders? The first thing I did was like, I got a trademark. Smart. So what brought you to YSDSU? Um, I mean, I love San Diego. I was coming down here a lot to compete, you know, in high school. And so I was coming down, I was like 15, 16, 17, and I just, I loved it. And I was like, dude, there's more girls, there's more waves, the weather's better, there's more places to surf. Like, I got to be down in San Diego. Like, there's just more opportunity. Everything's just bigger. Um, and so I went to San Diego State, and then I graduated, and then I just stayed ever since. Did the, did the Blender's, like, idea or vision come, because I feel like, I, I know you pretty well and I've watched the growth from like a bird's eye. Was it at SDSU that it first like sparked? No. So it actually, it came about a year and a half after I graduated. And so I was going to see Gareth Emery, who's my favorite DJ, like literally my favorite DJ of all time. Mm -hmm. Every time he comes to San Diego, I'm going to all the shows, all of them. Mm -hmm. I rally all my friends out. I'm like the first guy I wait in line. And so he's playing at Flux. Um, in 2011, I literally remember this to a T <laughs> and I grabbed all my friends. We got a party bus on the way down and I wanted something flashy to add to my outfit. So I went to target. The first thing I saw was a pair of neon green sunglasses. I bought the neon green sunglasses. I was in and out of the store within five minutes. I wore them out to the club. Everyone in the club was coming up to me asking about these shades. Those are sick. Where'd you get them? Let me try them on. And I was like, dude, like they were five bucks. Like they're not that cool, you know? Yeah. But it's like, no one's ever seen these like neon green glow in the dark shades. I was like, no one's ever seen them. And like, 
that's when it went off. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, all this attention around my $5 shades. And I was a surf instructor at the time. So I'd be literally be at the beach all day giving surf lessons, just watching people walk by on the beach and seeing the glasses that they're wearing. And it was either the $5 knockoffs I was wearing, or it was like your $200 Ray-Bans. And I was like, whoa, dude, there's a huge gap mm -hmm. in the market. Like there wasn't any, like there wasn't a cool sunglass brand, San Diego based, like that really reflected our lifestyle. That was cool. That was like flashy and fun, but also affordable. You know what I mean? Like there was literally no option. And so I was like, well, you know, what better place to give this a crack than San Diego? Like if it's not going to work here, it's not going to work anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so I borrowed 2000 bucks from my roommate and literally built the thing from, from literally a shoestring, like God, one pair, crazy. one style, one customer at a time. Um, what, what the two grand go towards? The two grand went towards a booth fee at Entrepreneur Fair, which is where I launched. Oh, cool. Trademark, stickers, and the first round of sunglasses. Wow. And so I ran out of money on the first day. Um, you know? <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, just, just literally just like hustled my, hustled my ass to get there, you know? That is crazy. And the name? The name Blenders came from Hornblend Street because I lived on Hornblend Street at the time. Stop it. So <laughs> I lived Do you on... Guys, do you know that? I had no idea. No. no idea. Yeah, so like the mixing and matching and all the different colors that we blend together with like lenses and, and fades and colors and patterns or whatnot. And then just, you know, I lived on Hornblend Street. So that's why it's called Blenders. That's really cool. That's, I mean, that's like, you know, yeah. absolutely based in San Diego, which is insane. Literally born on the beach in San Diego. Is that written into like... a? the like your mission statement or part of blenders does that does it date back anywhere in like your company history yeah that? we have like a kind of a write-up about it but like it's not as prominent as it should be because mm -hmm. some people ask about it and people that do ask about it like are like oh holy shit like that's cool like i had no idea mm -hmm. um but like it's not as big of a deal like when you when they kind of read it online but as when they hear it in person and they're they're in san yeah. diego and they you know what i mean mm -hmm. so um it's cool Dude, that is crazy and you, you originally, so it was you and one other person when you first started, right? Yeah. Was that the roommate? So he was my neighbor. So like oh, okay. when I had the idea, I was playing basketball with like my neighbor and I was like, Hey, I have this idea. Do you know a graphic designer to help me put this on paper? And he's like, yeah, like my, uh, yeah, like my roommate's a graphic designer. You guys got to meet his name's Blake. And I was like, okay, cool. Can you send him over to my house? And like a day later, Blake knocked on the door and he's like, Hey, my, you know, like my roommate wanted to know, uh, he said you had an idea that you might need some help. And I was like, yeah, come on in. And then we, we chatted and I was like, hey, here's my idea. And he's like dude, like, I love this. Like, let's do this. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And like three days later we had a, we had a logo, we had everything ready to go. And we just like, all right, let's go. Let's, let's dive That's in and what, figure it what out. What year was that? That was 2012. That's crazy. So that was like, that was pretty early. Uh, cause you, you made a pretty big, like early entry into social media. Yeah. And that was early days of social media, which is probably a huge player or huge. like driver for you getting into that. Totally. I, I imagine like, your next step was shit. We got it. Cause you had the MySpace years. So you already had that, like the sweat equity in some version of social media. So it was the first step, like we got to get this shit on, on Facebook. 100%. Before we even had a product, like we launched our Facebook page and we literally got like 1500 fans, but before even having a product, before even putting any money into it, we got all of our friends, we invited people to the page and we had 1500 people and Blake would start spitting out mocks of different colors. That's and we so started cool. getting like feedback and like the feedback was like, okay, we're like, whoa, we're getting like 80 to 90, you know, hundred likes on these photos and like a lot of comments. Hey, when are these coming out? When can I buy them? And we're like, holy shit. Like there's, there's demand. Mm -hmm. We got something here. So before we even like put any money into it, we were very confident that we had like the demand and like 
there was a market for it and people were interested about it. So um, it was a really interesting way to kind of launch, you know what I mean? Just to yeah. kind of test, test the waters. That's actually really interesting. I don't think of it. I've heard uh, of anyone doing that before where you actually just put mocks out there before the product. That's actually kind of smart because then you know what they want and you know right. what's going to sell. It's kind of like a Kickstarter, a, a little bit like a Kickstarter yeah. putting yeah. it out there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so those are like the early days, like just, you know, literally starting from people to people, customer to customer, like the brand was built on, you know, feedback, you know what I mean? Like we want to build a brand that's like for, by the people, for the people sort of thing. You yeah. know what I mean? Was, um, was there a point? Because sometimes like as crazy as it sounds to most people, when you realize, oh shit, we have some demand here at the same time, you're like, oh shit, what are we going to do about this? Totally. Because this was just a, a mock-up. Totally. So what was like, the, for, for you guys, that was shit, so what was the... we didn't understand how difficult it was to manufacture. After we're like, okay, we're, we, we're onto something, like, let's keep putting out mocks. And then it was like two months went by, three months went by, four months went by, and people were like, where can I buy these? And we're like, okay, now it's time to figure out how to fucking make these things, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, that was a whole other beast, you know what I mean? Um, so I think, like, just going through those motions, like that made us very confident, like overly confident to when we actually got the product and we're like, okay, yeah, we're going to crush it on day one. We're going to sell all of our units. Like that's when you get punched in the mouth. That's, yeah. that's when you really realize how difficult it is. You know what I mean? Um, but even a step back before that, like manufacturing and setting that up and trying to like, you know, get the right samples in time and negotiate pricing and dealing with overseas. And then you just like from like social media to like supply chain. It's like, mm -hmm. holy shit. Mm -hmm. And talk about like, you know, shooting, shooting darts down, like, you know what I mean? It was just like, what do we do here? Mm -hmm. You know, how do we find a manufacturer? How do we, how do we like get that language barrier, like tightened up? How do we negotiate? How do we get these things actually produced? Um, and was so, a lot of it like over, over the phone or were you, you physically going? So no, I would just, I would Google, I would just like hop on Google and start making calls and like emails and like started leaning me up or pushing me up towards wholesalers up in LA that had uh, factories overseas that spoke fluent Mandarin. And so I would drive up to LA about twice a month just to communicate with them, show them our designs, show them like everything that, everything that we wanted. And then when it came down to actually placing the order, we were like, shit, we gotta make a decision here because they're technically a middleman. So if we're gonna, if we're gonna commit to this, like we gotta push them out and go direct. And so we, we learned a lot from just communicating with them and learning from them and showing them everything we need and like just learning some of like the hiccups. And then I found a factory and I was like, all right, dude, like, we're going to, we're just going to go for it. You know, like we're going to take a swing at a wild <laughs> pitch and we're going to just, we're going to, we're going to hope it works out. I got the pricing down. I got the, I got the minimums down cause they wanted like 1300 pairs. I'm like, dude, I got 2000 bucks. I can't order 1300 <laughs> pairs. I just need 300 pairs, 200 pairs, like work with me on this first order. And I promise you, we're going to be a big customer one day, but just work with me. And they were like, okay, okay, well, we'll work with you this one time. So I got them down from 1300 to 300. No way. Place the order, sample showed up. It was like, whoa, we're like 90, 95% there. Like samples came in good. Logos were a little bit off, like could have been a little better, but like by all means we were like, okay, we had something. Um, and then we just, we, we launched on Entrepreneur Day at San Diego State thinking we we're going to sell all 300 pairs. <laughs> Literally thinking we we're going to sell all 300 pairs. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had all the confidence. We had all the likes. We had all the interest. We're like, dude, this is it. We got this. We're going to knock this out of the park on the first day. Sold 10 fucking pairs. <laughs> <laughs> after all that, Same. after all that uh, online hype. Dude, after that, me and, me and Blake walk away and we're like, fuck, this is going to be a fucking bloodbath. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. And so that was the first time where you're like, okay, you're, you're just, you're humbled. Was, was there anything about that day now, like having so many years experience that you look back, like we totally went into that the wrong way on the entrepreneur day that you look back, like we probably could have sold 
all 300, but we went in completely green and not know yeah. what we were doing. And, and if I look back on it, like I, I learned that if you spend too much time to perfect your product, you waited too, too long to launch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Your product and your brand is always a work in progress. And so when you, like I was, a, I was hung up on trying to perfect the sunglass. Like I wanted our product to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And that's why it took us eight months to like do it because like I wanted it perfect. But you look back on it and you're like, dude, you just got to start, start somewhere. For sure. Um, and so if I was to look, do it all over again, like, yeah, I wouldn't be as like meticulous as I was and spend a bunch of time because at the end of the day, like just get it, get it going. Learn, learn by like your mistakes, like right off the bat and just start and just start working at it. Um, and so, yeah, I would have definitely sped it up for sure. Hmm. That's interesting. I feel like, I mean, we've obviously we're in the brand business and we watch yours and there's a lot of other since 2012 till now, there's a lot of other people who have tried like getting into the market, not just in sunglasses, but like all over on e-commerce. Um, finding that, like that strength that you guys definitely have in brand and lifestyle and all that. I feel like that probably was a, a major learning curve or major like trial and error that you guys went through to like truly when you say like that's almost as much as like the physical product perfecting, perfecting the lifestyle and the totally. brand. It was probably just as equal, like equal parts. Oh, absolutely. You know, and like the brand side, I was very, I was confident in the brand side because like I, I knew what was cool. I, I knew like what good brands look like just from growing up and working with them. And so like I was very confident in the lifestyle side of it, of how we're going to do this. Like the vision was there, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but to get to that vision, like I had no idea how I was going to get there. I just knew like what images look good, like the athletes that we wanted to work with, like partners we wanted to deal with and um, build build around and stuff like that. But like the supply chain, the management, the building, the business side of it, I've never done that before. Sure. Um, so that part was a very big challenge for sure. Did, um, did you guys have like separated, did you have distinct roles? Obviously he's a graphic designer. That's yeah. That's like probably his strength. Did you guys have specific like, hey, I'm doing this, you're doing that. Yeah. So it was, and you kind of have to in the early days, you know, you got to have to have people or partners that complement that don't interject with same sort of um, strengths as you have. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to have two, two finance guys. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to have like a marketing guy and then like an ops guy or, you know what I mean? So my side of the business was, you know, I was marketing, I was social media, I was like on the brand side and he was more like product, web, um, you know, on the design side. So it was a good balance because I was definitely out there networking at all the events that you were, that, you know, you would also host as well and stuff like that mm-hmm. and just meeting meeting DJs and, passing out shades and just like building the brand like in real time, you know? Gotcha. And, and now it's, it's just you. It's down to just now you, it's right? just me. Yeah. How long ago that happened? At the end of 2016. Okay. So that was a huge transition. Yeah. yeah huge. That was very, very, uh, very gnarly. You I know? was going to say, was it, it it's gotta be like, well, I don't know. Everybody's different. Right. Like, is it a nerve wracking for you, for your, what you went through? Cause that's three, four years in, mm-hmm. so you're gaining momentum and then to have that happen. Yeah. Was there, was there blowback? Was there, I guess what, or, or was it what set sprang you forward? I mean, it was, it was definitely, it was, I would say it, it went the best it could have went, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And usually those things can be nasty. They can be like a divorce. Like it could be really messy. Mm-hmm. Um, but just interests weren't, weren't aligned, you know, at that, at that time. And we both accepted that and like, we're actually better friends because of it. Um, so I think for, for me, I was able to move faster. I was a little bit scared because like, I didn't have like my right hand man. It was just me. And like, it was a little nerve wracking, but once I got over that and I, and I kept telling myself, like, I'm not starting a business, I'm building a business that really like kind of instilled that like, okay, I just got to keep going. You know, I've made it this far. Like I've done this amount of work, like just keep going with it. Um, so just making decisions 
I made decisions faster, but I, it was also took, took me some time because I didn't have anyone to bounce ideas off. So, and I'm kind of indecisive sometimes on certain things. So mm -hmm. it's like, it could be, it could be tricky. Mm -hmm. um, but no, since then it's been like just fast. That's right. You know, go back to the entrepreneur day though. So day after when you only sold 10 pairs, Dude. what was your like, well, I guess locker room talk to yourselves. Like, how do we get, like, what are we doing back we, out on the court? Yeah, here we go, man. I mean, we like we, all this hype and we're just like jumping out on the court walk. And then we just limp off the line. You know what I mean? We just <laughs> limp, literally just like paralyzed, we carry it off and we're like, fuck, what do we do? And, um, and so like he was a kayak instructor, I was a surf instructor and we're just like, all right, back to, back to surf lessons and kayak lessons. That was it. Mm -hmm. We tried. We're not cut out for this, you know? Um, <laughs> And we just like put our heads like, down. Like literally? Like we were, well, we were on the way home and we we're like, dude, like what are we doing? Like what the, like this is gonna flop, you know? We just had no confidence whatsoever. But we just like made a pack. We're like, we're just gonna keep going. We're gonna mm -hmm. stick with this. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna really just put our heads down. Like no one ever said it'd be easy, the whole like cliche, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? <laughs> and so like I just started bringing shades to the beach and I would start selling them to all the people I would give lessons to. He would bring them to his kayak he would do them kayak lessons and bring shades to, to the beach as well. And we would just take backpacks of shades and I would give a lesson and I'd be like, Hey, check out this new company I'm starting. And just started selling units like one at a time and started just kind of like turning that over a little bit, you know what I mean? And then, um, but literally just like it was face to face sales, you know, we had a, yeah. we had a website, but we had no traffic because it's like the San Diego version of door to door. Right. <laughs> you know, at that point though, are you just trying to sell the inventory Dude. you currently have or are you, Thinking, okay, let's just build that momentum back are, up. You are treading water just to stay alive for one day. Okay. <laughs> we're, we're not operating with any sense of scalability, any sense of like direction. We're just like, let's just survive one day at a time. Let's just mm -hmm. sell these units, put money back in the business, and just try and reinvest, reinvest, reinvest. Um, and so we actually like ran out of money pretty quickly. And so we turned to Kickstarter oh, okay, to, cool. to pitch our idea. Kickstarter rejected us. So we went to Indiegogo. Why um, they rejected? They rejected us because they said it was it, it wasn't like there was some conflict because of some I don't know there was some ridiculous like scrutiny that they had against like eyewear brands or something and like oh your 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 project is not creative enough to to launch so we're like okay screw this we're gonna go to Indiegogo <laughs> Indiegogo accepted us we got pretty hot on Indiegogo um, we got about two hundred backers no we, way. we raised about seventy five hundred bucks like. For us at the time, we were yeah. like millionaires. You know, we we're like, oh, we've never had this amount of money before. Like, we we went out, and celebrated. Um, we, were like, we, we, we did it. We're down to five thousand now. You know? we celebrated. And so we used that money to kind of like re reinvest in the business and come out with like five new styles. And then from there, we had we had two hundred people that pledged the campaign. So like there, we started having a customer base. And then we just started communicating with that customer base and then kind of reinvesting that. So that gave us the second boost, mm. you know, after the first. Sure. Um, and that was able to help us build out our line a little bit more. We were able to kind of like, you know, try a few new things um, and really expand the colorways, which really helped. Like it was really difficult launching with one colorway and one style and, and, and one, one frame, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that helped us kind of build out the line a little bit and kind of go from there. Was, was there the days of when you got that first initial order from overseas, were you guys in the days of like, we literally kept our inventory in my closet and we were working out of our living room. Did you have those like initial days? Oh yeah. Uh, for, for two years. I mean, really? I, I had sunglasses like, but I liked it. Like I was living in like a little <laughs> shoe box. I was like shade stacked to the ceiling. I would like invite people in and like show them all the product. Like, <laughs> oh, I just loved it. You know, I, I love to be like around it, you know, this um, is my store. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is the back of house this is the front of house. And so at that time we had this pool table downstairs that like 
my roommates would, you know, like they, they bought this nice pool table and like, we just overtook the pool table that turned into our office. All the shit was all over the pool table. Like we were packing orders on there and like they would come home and they're just like, dude, this is insane. Like get a fucking office already. You know, <laughs> we're like, can't afford one, you know? Um, but we just like started it from the ground. We would just swap back and forth houses. I'd go to his house. He'd come to my house. Um, we had no money for packaging. So we had to like get creative with our packaging and like tape things together. And it was just like this arts and crafts disaster, you know, in the early days. It was <laughs> construction like, paper and paper like, mache. We, we didn't have enough stock, like colorways. So we would literally like take pictures of like, we would take the arms off sunglasses and like mix and match, take a picture, put it on the website to like sell it. And then like do another one to like allow for more, like it looks like we have more colors than we actually do. Um, it was just like whatever we can do. We're like literally just fighting tooth and nail um just to stay alive and just to like keep ourselves afloat but like doing that we learned about so much good shit that's rad like so much did you have a and you probably remember who your first hire hire was yep and what made you like because that's a big deal for any company oh, be like massive. hey we're able to like office yes is a big deal but i still to this day i remember like my first hire and still like am close to that first hire did you have that first hire where you're like all right yeah and was it a good hire yeah no i mean i think even before that like the biggest thing with us or the two biggest accomplishments in the early days is like a, when you, when you get an office and B, when you get to like pay yourself your first amount, like I, I knew I wasn't going to make any money for a long time. And like, I knew I was like, okay, I'm not going to pay myself for a couple of years. Like I know every dollar is going to go back into this business and that's just the way it's, it has to be. Um, and then when you hire somebody else to kind of come in and kind of help you, like you start him as an intern cause you can't, we, you know, we want to make sure it was a good fit. Like, I, I talked to San Diego state and I was like, Hey, start feeding me some interns. I need some help packing some orders and some help on the kind of like Instagram outreach sort of program that we wanted to kind of build. Um, and so that was a huge challenge too. And it still is a challenge. Like hiring mm -hmm. people is not easy, mm -hmm. not easy. And, um, and so like, then you have to delegate, you have to like teach people and like show them what to do. And like, we didn't really have much to do back then. Cause we know what the hell we we're doing. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? So like, we didn't know, is this full time? Is this part time? Like, is she going to get bored? Is she not going to get like, we, we just had no idea like anything we were doing. Mm -hmm. So we we're like, okay, come in. Like, here's what you have to do. And she would do it in like 20 minutes. And then we we're like, um, okay, like now you got to go over here and do this. And like her, her job, which just became like social media ops, like packing email. Like it, it, there was no like, okay, you're doing this one job. It was mm -hmm. like, she came in expected to do this one job and she was doing 20 different jobs. And so like, that's just happens when you're smaller. Oh you, yeah, you, for sure. You generalize as, as opposed to specialize. Mm -hmm. Did yeah. you ever have that, that, uh, Oh shit hire. Um, yeah, no, we've had some, I mean, I've, I've had those, like, you know, you go through the whole, you run the gamut of hiring your friends yeah, yeah. and that's a disaster, you know, <laughs> that's a fucking disaster. Like, you know, you go out at night and like people ask you for a job they're all like, they're drinking, they're fucked up and they're like, Oh, do you have any jobs? Like, I would love to work for you. And they're like blacked out. You're like, bro, come on. This isn't the place to ask for a job. Yeah, let's you know? start the interview right now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what are your credentials? And so like, but we didn't know how to hire back then. We didn't know. So like, we would just, we would post on Facebook. We're like, Hey, we have an opening you know, anyone that knows anyone that, that wants to work there. And we just post on our Instagram and our Facebook and, um, friends would comment on it. And then friends of friends would comment on it. We're like, okay, cool. Like they come from a trusted source. It's going to work. Like it's all good. They're our friends. <laughs> they're, not gonna fuck us, they're not going to fuck us over. Like yeah. they care about the business. We can trust them. And then pr like some, some problems happen and then you realize like, okay, like business and friendship, like just, are, it's, it's like oil and water, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's, it's not a good mix. And so then we learned that that, that didn't really work. Um, I imagine you had a lot of, cause, cause we use the internship program here too, which, which can be tough as well because for us, like the strategy is, Hey, we, when we bring an intern in, we want it to convert. So we want them to convert into someone who ends up being like 
on staff after their internship. I imagine with the type of brand you were, you probably had a long line of people or like kid, not kids, college guys and girls who wanted to intern for you. Oh yeah, for sure. So the auditing system probably had to be really, really, which is time consuming, like getting in front of each person. Um, but was, was there a line of interns who were trying to come on board? There was definitely a lot of interest. Like as we were starting to kind of grow, like in our team was building, like, yeah, we definitely had a lot of interest from interns, like, but we just didn't have any space. We had mm. no space to put them in. Like we were literally working in like a shoebox of an office, like no AC, it was hot as fuck. And it was just me and Blake and covered in shade. So like we had no really no like place for them to work. Um, and so like it was, that was a challenge, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and I was doing, and it took me, I'm not going to lie. It took me a long time to give up some of the stuff I was doing. Mm. Like I, I wanted orders packed a certain way. I wanted Instagram captions a certain way. I wanted outreach done a certain way. Like the brand look, the feel, the voice, like it's very important to me. And I knew like from the beginning, like that cannot be sacrificed sure. and that has to be held in high regard because that's what you build off of. And that's what people, that's how people perceive your brand. And so like, I remember this intern we have, I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to put his name on here, but, um, we finally were able to get a conference room at, at our, at our office. Like we finally talked to the people next to us. Hey, can we, can we borrow your conference room on Tuesdays and Thursdays? Okay, sure. So we turned that into like a shipping station and I would show this, I would show him how to pack orders. I'd be like, okay, here's what you do. Here's how you fold the box. Here's how you put the stickers in. Here's how you put the sunglasses in. And I remember walking in and I see him folding the box on his lap and I'm like, dude, there's an eight foot table in front of you. Why are you folding this fucking thing on your lap? Like, and it looks like folded on the table. And that was the first time I was like, I don't like this, you know? <laughs> and so it was just kind of like that first realization of like, okay, like now you, you just got to train people. You got to show them how to do it. You got to be very like meticulous and, mm. um, you know, show them, show them how to do it. But you want to give them also like a sense of like, autonomy too so what, it's a, it's, it's what was balance. the hardest thing for you to let let go of that you that you were like particular on um the hardest thing i mean first was shipping like orders making sure like you know how the sunglasses looked when people got them in the mail mm -hmm. the packing style um that was first but like second that was probably even bigger than that was instagram social media yeah definitely um, which i just gave up like a while ago i mean like that's six, your voice. Six to twelve months ago. That's your everything. Um, I still approve a lot of the uh, like a lot of the posts, but like I'm not I'm not posting anymore. I'm not writing the captions anymore, um, and so that for me was like that took me so long, mm -hmm. so long, um, just because that's that's everything. Like that's how we've built the business, and mm -hmm. like that was that's like my favorite. That's my favorite part. Like I love the Insta. I love <laughs> the I love posting and I love I love doing all that stuff. But like I just can't, I can't do that shit anymore. Is the person behind that or persons someone who's been like for a while with the brand and like he's he's pretty new but he was actually a customer of ours oh, cool. um and so he was already really passionate about the brand and um you know he's also from san diego and stuff and so he was just kind of like you know i mean everyone i put in that seat before me is or after me has failed and like so like i just i have really high expectations for it and want it done in a certain way and i want it Definitely. to like reach these certain benchmarks and um the the last couple people just just didn't cut it um and so he's he's doing an amazing job now though so he's he's, he's crushing it that's great, man. So after the, the Indiegogo success, was there ever the same like entrepreneur day punch in the face? Cause you know, you got the, yeah. you got fun, a little yep. bit more funding, oh, yeah. a little more money in your it pocket. Just, and then it happens 10 million times after that over and over <laughs> and over. <laughs> it was a rhetorical question. Like, I know there's another punch coming and several oh, of them. It's, it's just insane. So the next one was our first trade show, right? So I've been to trade shows at a young age. Like I went to ASR, Action Sports Retail, yeah, yeah. when they used to have it down here. And I was like young and I was like 
let's go to those shows and those are awesome and anyways now it's like it's different from like attending the show to actually being behind a booth at the mm -hmm. show and spending money behind it and so we had a tough time building our business online because we didn't it was so new back then we didn't really have any way to drive traffic like um so we're like okay how do we get sales well let's go the wholesale route let's go the traditional wholesale route let's buy a booth at surf expo and we're going <laughs> to do our first trade show in, in in florida and so we book a trade show in florida it costs us about seven grand to book the show we Holy we used shit. we used all of our money from black friday all of our money that we made on black friday we poured it right into a trade show oh my and God. we we buy the booth we try to set up our 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 setup get tickets we literally couldn't couldn't ship anything over because we couldn't afford it so we had to carry all our shit on the plane no way just bags of shit sunglass stands on our necks like just <laughs> literally like those guys on the flight that you're like dude who the fuck are these guys you know? <laughs> like, there's always there, there's always one or two of those guys on every flight yeah and, for we were, sure. and, and we were those guys you know and so we show up to the show and we're like next to under armor <laughs> we, we get to our booth and we're like Under Armour and Blenders, like, oh again, my God, like, that's crazy. Once again, like, we're just looking up at, like, Dave, you know what I mean? Just at, at the top of this mountain, and we're just, like, squeezed in the middle of them with, like, these drapes. And, like, our, our logo was, like, these jean, it was, like, this jeans, like, sh uh, like, sheet that we bought from, like, Joanne's Fabric because we couldn't afford a banner. <laughs> so we went to Joanne's Fabric and just got this huge sheet and got our logo screen printed on it and just like hung it from the hung it from the drapes. It looked insane. So you didn't awful. know till day of that you're going to be next to Under Armour. We had, we had no idea. We oh, got to the man. show and we're just like, okay, like that was our first time at Surf Expo. I've never done it before. And sure enough, they put us a 10 by 10 booth next to like a 50 by 300, like just massive castle. And we're like, fuck. Once again, like you know, yeah, and so yeah. we, we just we just show up every day, like just sit behind the booth, like trying to get people to come. Um, got some got some numbers, maybe wrote like two orders, like. But we let we left the show and got back on the flight, and we're like, well, we definitely didn't make seven grand back. Definitely not even close. Was it a similar feeling to the the entrepreneur day? Yeah, I was like, fuck, okay, like we tried selling at a booth at, at, in San Diego. We tried a trade show. This is just this is just insane. Mm -hmm. Like. And that was that was hard because like we emptied out like literally our entire bank account for yeah, that show. Yeah, definitely. And we made some good connections. Like I just kept trying to hustle them after, hustle and hustle and hustle. And then the last day of the show, we actually like said, "Fuck it!" Like we're just gonna start selling our sunglasses in the show. Like usually those sure. shows, you sell them for like a buy-in for a future order. No one's selling onesies and twosies, but we're like, okay, it's gonna be cheaper for us to just empty out the shades here than like try to bring them back with us. Mm -hmm. Let's just try to make some cash here. You know. So we, made like 700 bucks and just like selling them to like people coming by. Um, but it was still nowhere near the, the money that we needed to kind of yeah. justify the spend on it. But, and it was Under Armour just pummeling through orders. I mean, you, we, we, we <laughs> can't, like, you can't even, you can't even look inside their booth. Like every, you have to have an appointment. Like there's like a private entrance, like everything is like so systematic where like a booth like ours, it's like a lemonade stand. You could just come up and, you know, literally just like talk to us or whatever. But it's just, it was just different and different beast, man. we just knew like, so is there like a, is there a, like a hidden, I mean, at that point, it sounds like you were two of those trade show type things in, was there like a secret sauce that you guys weren't onto yet? That's the best approach going into those that maybe you hadn't so met? At that, at that time, that's when like Facebook sort of changed their algorithm and like really migrated to Instagram. And like when their algorithm switched and then Instagram opened up, I, I would say that was like, there was, there's no special sauce in anything you do at all. Like there's no, mm -hmm. there's no like home runs. It's like what I've learned. It's a bunch of fucking singles yep. over and over and over. Like there's no like one hit wonder. Like you always look for it, 
you always look for it. And when you start out, you're like, that's you're looking for that one thing that's just going to rocket you to the top or give you that mm-hmm. overnight success. And it just doesn't exist. The only thing that's going to get you there is doing the work mm-hmm. and just learning, going through the process and like understanding that it's going to take time. Um, so that, that takes a long time to like understand until you've actually done it. Sure. Um, but you have a bunch of little wins along the way. And like one of those little wins was Instagram. And so when Instagram opened up, I was just, I started using Instagram like crazy just to network and to build, um, and to reach out to content creators and influencers and start like, then it became like, okay, we don't have to pay for things. Like we're using the sunglasses as a different form of currency. We're using the sunglasses as a way yeah, to like yeah. get people to take photos of them. We're using the shades as a way to like stoke them out. And like, we would rather get more product out there than more money. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. in those early days, you want your product out. You mm-hmm. want to get it out and you want to get it on faces. And so the, the easiest way to do that was just through Instagram. Yeah, definitely. So are you still, do you still have the, cause I totally believe in what you say and I tell people, dude, you will go down, you'll strike out if you're always trying to go for the home run when all your team needs is to get on base and get on first. Do you still have that like, um, first base mentality? Are you still, do you chase home runs here and there? I mean, there's some that you like, you take some wild, you know, you take some swings at some wild pitches, hoping they're going to hit. Some of them will hit, some of them won't. Um, I think those are always more like, that's in like the top 20% though. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. we don't spend 80% of our time trying to hit those. Mm-hmm. And we've had some that really just pushed us to the next level. And then we've had some that have just fell around their face. Um, and so, yeah, there's no like, like there's no first round knockout at all. You know, I, was there any like particular one product, one uh, specific design that you thought for sure was a home run and then it just completely like flopped? Yeah. I mean, a product we put out two weeks ago, you know, we thought was going to be a home run. Um, and it's, it's a home run in person, but it's not a home run online. Mm-hmm. And so since we, you know, the store and stuff that we just opened, like we're able to see, have people walk in and try on products now. We're able to see what they like and how they interact with the product and what they're looking for and what they're not. Um, and so, yeah, you have those all the time. You know, we have products that like I'm very confident in that I'm like, dude, these are going to work and then they don't work. And then there's other times where I'm like, that's going to work. And then it hits, you know? Um, and so you just got to, you got to understand like you're going to win some, you're going to lose some. It's like anything you do in life, you know? Mm -hmm. Have you had to, cause this was a a tough challenge for me is, is separating like what you personally Mm. want versus what you know, because for me it was a hard, there's so many things like in the world, like the business world we're in. And I'm like, personally, I'm like, that's awesome. I want to be part of that. I want to do that. But I, but then it was like the back of my head. I'm like, it's not going to be successful. Um, and not saying it's a failure, not saying to still try it, but like I had to, I had to, uh, play with both those voices totally. for the longest time until I realized when it comes to like sitting at, at the business or professional table, I have to listen to one voice first while still like kind of entertaining the other right. part for years. I'm sure it's even more like, dude, those sunglasses, I would fucking wear those everywhere. Those are rad. But there's the voice saying, oh, our market's not going to take it. Our market's yep. not going to buy in. Do you have that? Oh, all day, every day. And I'm sure it's that now you have a team too. So they're like, there's a lot. everybody's kind of got that. Yeah. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. There's a lot of, there's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of emotion. Like I'm realizing how emotionally attached people can become to sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And, and I didn't know that before until we actually started like having our team kind of like provide feedback and kind mm-hmm. of our product meetings where like, it's not just me giving my opinion. It's like six people at the table, like reviewing all the different colorways. And they're like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, no, no, no. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, there's absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, like in the early days we would just make stuff that we would wear ourselves. Like we would make stuff that we thought was cool that we would wear ourselves. Sure. Um, doesn't always work like that. Like I'm not the stuff I would wear isn't stuff 
everyone else would wear and like i didn't realize that until we started putting putting products out there like i like the crazy shit i like the bright stuff yeah, yeah. like blenders at its core is very vibrant and flashy and progressive and and kind of out there and so in the early days we just said let's just make the craziest shades we could well i'd wear them but the majority of 90 <laughs> yeah. the, the u.s ain't gonna wear them you know and so we, we were so focused on ourselves and so focused on like our image that we're like we just had summer all year round. Like we started posting pictures of girls in bikinis in January and December. We're like, yeah, this is what people want to see. It's like, well, it's not relatable to people in Minnesota. Yeah, <laughs> you know definitely. I mean? yeah. Like yeah. it's negative definitely. 20, it's snowing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, we were so caught up in the San Diego vibe mm-hmm. of like, this is just bikinis and hot girls all, all year. Let's just do it. So, so does that, <laughs> did, did it invent or do you have like a formal uh, surveying process now that like, is it a democratic, like enough votes around the room and it's, we're going to do this? Is that what it's? Yeah. So, I mean, then it started becoming like, okay, our product designer would put all the mocks on the wall and he'd say, okay, all the mocks are on the wall. Everyone go up and put your vote. So people would go up and tally their favorite ones. Um, and then that, that worked for so long. And then it just became too democratic. Mm-hmm. There wasn't like a, a, a person that like took control and said, okay, these are the glasses we're going to make and here's why. Mm-hmm. And then all the choices being made weren't they were just choices that they liked. They weren't thinking in context of like, how is this collection going to be perceived on a mass level and by male, female, older, younger, like yeah. you start looking at it through those lenses and it changes your total, your total sense of like, you know, development and sort of opinion on those products. Um, you know, you're, it's so easy just to look at them through like one lens and say like, Oh yeah, I would wear those. I want to wear those. I like those. I don't, but are you looking at them through the context as, a, a mainstream potential accessible product by thousands mm. and hundreds of thousands of people. Not just in terms of uh, choosing the products that you're going to put out there, but as far as decision making, how reliant are you on your team specifically being that you're very hands-on and you ultimately you're, you're the final say in all matters, but how reliant are you on your team? Very, very reliant. And too, is as you grow, like you start to, you know, you start to pull some of the strings out a little bit and start to delegate more. But like, then you start to see who makes decisions and the types of decisions that they do make. And, um, that's a work in progress. You know mm-hmm. I mean? I'm still involved on a, like a very micro level of like a- approving the size of a logo and like what color it should be and the position it should be. And then like, I'm also signing off on like 50,000 piece POs, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's yeah, just yeah. like the level of like, like sea level versus 30,000 feet. Like I'm still involved on that from top to bottom. Um, and I'm not to the level yet of like fully just like, okay, letting go, yeah. you know, because a lot of things are still like, we're scaling, we're moving fast, systems break, things fall apart that I still need to be involved in those Definitely. decisions. Um, and so, yeah, those are still super important to me. How often do you have to tell yourself to back off though? I'm learning that now. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I'm learning that yeah. now. Like I'm learning where to pick my battles. I'm mm-hmm. learning where to let things go a little bit. Like, oh, I don't like that font. Like, or make that picture bigger or change that image. Like. I'm just I'm understanding where to push and where to and where to where to hold firm, um, but yeah, every day, you know. I mean, there's got to be a fine line between like kind of like micromanaging. You don't want to break the person, you or stunt any of their growth, right? I mean, do you oh, worry about abso- that? Absolutely, and like I, I toggle with that all the time. Of like, how do you create an environment to let people work autonomously, mm-hmm. but also make sure that they're staying on course? You know what I mean? And making sure that they're staying true to the brand identity. And um, I, I just I thought for so long, like, okay, I got to find a carbon copy of me right? Doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. And it never will exist. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's ever going to think like the owner or think like the founder or think like the creator. Yeah. Like I've, and I've learned that now. So I keep telling myself, okay, I just can't expect that because that's not realistic. So let's try to find ways to kind of get as close to that as we can. 
uh, but have them be able to do that in their own way. So they feel like they have some input and they have some creative, creative juices. Too. And, and, and part of that autonomy is probably, and it's, it's a weird, like valuable lesson from where you're sitting to learn. It's almost to watch them have a failure. Totally. I'm sure, I'm sure that's part of you, and, you, and your job is like minimizing the failure and minimizing the damage the failure has on any sort of brand identity. But there is a huge value if you're going to create autonomy, be like, it, it, it's, you want all of them to work out. You want it always to be for the better, but there's probably a, a, a lesson, a greater lesson by watching them have those little fails. Absolutely. And like, you'll hear stuff like in the office, like people will talk about stuff and you'll overhear conversations and like, I'll walk by and I'm grabbing water and I'll overhear people talking about something. And I'm just like, should I stop and just interject and just say, forget what you're talking about? Cause that's not like, that's not a good, that's not a good decision. Mm-hmm. Or should I just let them go about it and just go on with my day? But then it just sticks with me in the back of my head. All day. I'm sure. like, dude, I don't like what they were talking about. They're wasting their time. <laughs> we're, we're paying them to be here. Let me re let me rewire them and point them in the right direction. It, it sounds like it's almost like parenting. I'm and not so a parent. It, no, I mean, for, I mean, for sure. I mean, that's when, wow. yeah, that's yeah. the stage that. of building your business. That's the stage of like building a team and like managing people and hiring and like building that out. You know what I mean? And like, that's, that's a whole nother beast, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and sometimes they say like, like the founder's curse, like I've definitely gotten signs of that, you know, where like the founder just becomes a jack of all trades and he just does everything because he's afraid to let things go. And he's afraid because he doesn't like the way someone else is going to do it. Or sure, yeah. he doesn't like the image someone else is going to choose, or he doesn't like the, you know what I mean? And like you start doing everything and like, it's a blessing and a curse. It really is like, it's a blessing because you learn all facets of the business, all areas of the business. So when you need to hire, you understand like how certain positions work before actually hiring out for those positions. But it's a curse because you can't delegate. You can't like, you can't scale. You can't let let things out. So I'm. That's like my 2019. Really learning yeah, that yeah. like balance of like, okay, how do I how do I build this team, and let them and train them and coach them, and how do I be a, a true leader? You know what I mean? Who 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 kind of like. It's tough because you're, I mean, having a business partner helps with conversations like that and how to learn and how to grow and improve. Um, and even having certain people that have a, a, enough years and are like-minded for you, since you're like the sole o- owner, what is your, like, what's your sounding board or, wh- or who do you bounce off of? Like a, a, whether it's a mentor, it's, a, it's someone maybe in an equal industry or business owner. Is there someone you're, you're like, you go and grab a beer with and be like, fuck man, I was listening to this in the office today and this problem, like, is there something when you say 2019 goals or someone who's like kind of, so to speak, like got your hand, like, yo dude, through this year. For sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I have some people in my court that I kind of like rely on just for like feedback and advice, you know what I mean? On certain things, like this is my first time doing this, you know what I mean? I'm not an expert in, in like, I'm not a multi million dollar expert business builder. Like this is my first rodeo. Like I'm never, sure. I'm still learning. I'm a student of the game. You know, I'm learning just as much as, as, as our employees are, you know what I mean? Um, and so I'm learning as I'm going, I know I'm going to make bad decisions, but like as much as I can of like networking with people that I know and that I, and that I trust, um, is super important. Like I got friends at Pure Vita that have built an amazing business here in San Diego that have started two years ahead of me. And so they were a huge inspiration and they're a huge sounding board and resource and kind of like, they really help kind of guide the ship when I need it or just for, for advice. Mm -hmm. Um, other people like John, you know, like higher level, like older, um, he's got 20 years of experience on me, but just like he provides a really interesting lens to look through. Um, and so it's so important to have those people in yeah. your court, but at the end of the day, like it's ultimately up to you to, to make the decision. Mm-hmm. And so making decisions is very difficult, you know, for me, some people can just make decisions on the fly. I like to make calculated decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not just like, I have to think about it. I have to let them settle in, but sometimes that takes too long. And sometimes you have to just like, you have to learn where to bend and where not to bend. I feel like over the past few years, 
specifically since you came onto the scene, the eyewear market in San Diego has kind of like really boomed. What is that dynamic like be, between the heads of all these companies? I mean, by nature, it's going to be competitive, but it, for the most part, do you guys kind of like keep it, you know, civil between each other or totally? You know, is there any and kind they, of like have they at all like muddied the water for you? Right. Like other people getting into it who have seen like, I want to be blenders. Right. Has it like done some damage or like have you to do damage control or like tighten up even more? Because I agree, there's been since 2012. And especially in Southern California, there's been several other people in like eyewear or similar markets who may have like hurt hurt the the brand, not necessarily yours, but like the the industry in itself. Right, totally. And I think for us, like in the early days, like you're you're so obsessed with what other people are doing. You're always looking at what other people are doing and trying to like follow their lead. But like the truth is, is like focus on what you want to do, mm-hmm. and know that like whatever they're doing, if if you're trying to copy them, you're already a step behind. You know what I mean? By the time you even implement what they've done, like they're on to the next thing. You know what I mean? Like Amazon's working on shit for like 2040. You know what I mean? Like that nobody's working on. So it's like when I learned that of like, let's just do us, like let's understand the landscape, but let's, let's not follow everyone else. And who, like, who cares what everyone else is doing? Let's just, let's just, let's just do us. We're, we're, we're confident in everything we're doing. We're confident in our product. We're confident in our brand. And so one of our, one of our core values became we obsess over customers, not competitors. And so let's, let's focus on our customers. The, the time that we're focusing on our competitors, like could be time that we service our customers, reach out to, reach out to them for feedback, you know, personalize with them, connect with them. Like, let's just do us. Totally. Um, and so that, that, that's what changed. That's what changed. And when when did you make that switch? The, Cause I, I love that focusing on customers versus competitors. When did you make that like philosophies change? That, that really became like 2016. I felt was when we really started to just like focus on our product line, focus on what we, we wanted to do. Like we went into snow. No one at that time was in snow. Like we didn't follow anyone else's lead. Like we said, let's, what's a proper extension to our eyewear? Like mm-hmm. I love snowboarding like sunglasses in San Diego, even though it's 70 degrees are still very, it's a seasonal business, mm-hmm. very seasonal spring and summer are the biggest, busiest months. Fall and winter are awful. Mm-hmm. How do we balance out that seasonality? Well, let's, let's test new, new, new products in different, in different zones. And Definitely. so snow goggles was the one. And like, that was one that really like, okay, we did that and that worked. Mm-hmm. We led the pack there and now all of our competitors are following us with that. So it's like, that was a, that was a key moment. That's rad. Was it, was it a, was it not a copy paste model, but when you went from, cause I wanted to talk about your goggles, cause I think they're rad. And I didn't, that was a 2016 mm-hmm. thing. Was it a, like, Hey, we took this sunglass model that was successful and we just applied it to yeah. goggles. Was that how you guys went about it? Same, same business model. Like mm-hmm. we did a survey. So we surveyed our, our, our top customers and we wanted to see the demand first, see the interest. So we put out a survey, say, Hey, we're thinking about making goggles. You guys are our top four or 5,000 customers. Would you guys please take this five five question survey? A, do you do you do you ski or snowboard? Yes or no? You know what I mean? Yeah. B, how many times a year do you go? C, how long have you had your goggles for? Like four. Like what's your what's your what's your like level of skill? You know what I mean? Yeah, and we sure. started seeing like seventy percent of our customers all snowboarded, all skied, and went three to four times a year. And we're like, holy shit, this is it. Let's, let's go. You know, and so and so we just we just went for it, um, and that and that was huge. That was a big that was a big extension, and obviously, like in the early days, we you get overly confident. You're like, okay, you could put your logo on anything. Like we tried apparel, we tried yeah, yeah. all the shit, and like it, it all flopped because it wasn't like we weren't we weren't ready for it. It wasn't done strategically. It wasn't done organically. We were like just trying to force it. Were the goggles for the most part were they like a supplemental buy to your already sunglass customer, or did you start seeing new cut like totally new customers Both. come in? Both. You got new ones. Yeah, and we started seeing a massive amount of new customers. Like when we started to really scale in 2017, like 
we started seeing like 20 to 30% repeat buys and then like 70 to 80% new customers. Um, and so we were just like, we were hitting millions of people a week with new impressions and new ads and like getting insane amounts of new customers that just built like over time, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and so we went from like literally selling like 50 to hundred, hundred orders a day to selling like 1500 orders a day now, you know what no I mean? Shit. So it's like, it's just, we, but we built that, you built, yeah, built that into yeah. it, you know, and we, we worked our way up for it. And so that was, that's been also huge, been, a, been able to scale and being able to handle the scale. You yeah. Know? What's uh, what's the further south you, that you've seen your product go as far as like geographically? So we sell, I mean, we sell all over the world, but like it's very small percentage internationally. Mm -hmm. The reason is just because shipping stuff internationally is like shipping stuff to space. Okay. It just gets, <laughs> it just gets, you'll never, you, you ship it outside the country, it gets lost. Yeah. And for our product, it's, it's, it's a lower price point eyewear product. And like, so you could ship it cheap for three to five bucks, but you're going to have a 99% chance it's going to get lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, or you can ship it like DHL, but that costs like 30 bucks. And like, no one wants to spend 30 bucks on sunglasses, 40 bucks on sunglasses and spend almost the same amount on shipping. Um, so we try to go international. That was a mess. That was a disaster. Um, so we're like, let's just build our brand in the U S get, be experts here. And then when we're ready, we build it. I lost, I lost a pair of blenders in New York City, so oh, yeah, they're for sure out there now. <laughs> they're for sure. Someone they're else is wearing them for sure. <laughs> for sure, man. Was, there also, another, was there another market in, in the U.S. That's, that's popped up or really became another feeder for you outside of California? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously San Diego is our biggest. Like 12% of our sales are, are San Diego. And, like, um, so California is just massive in general. After that, surprisingly, Chicago. Chicago is huge. Really? Huge. Um, and then from there, we go to, like, Florida. Texas, New York. So it's like those kind of follow the sun from there. Florida's huge. Mm -hmm. um, Texas, Austin, Dallas is really big. New York is really popular. Um, and Chicago. So That's crazy. Um, so a, a bit of a pivot here um, because we've talked and like you're super busy. Even to like a scale I don't think we, we knew. We knew Blenders was going crazy. Off the court, like you personally, how is that? Because we always ask like, how are you managing? I mean, do you still surf? Do you still do you still kind of feed the meter on those things that like before all this craziness started where you could spend two days just at the beach doing nothing? Now it's kind yeah. of like two days off is like, holy shit, that's an eternity. How how now to the level you've gotten to are you like fulfilling personally all the stuff that you I'm, I'm not quite there as much as I would like to be. You know what I mean? Like, I'm lucky that, like, I'm so passionate about this business that it just, it, it consumes me, but, like, it is me at the same mm -hmm. time. And so, like, if I didn't like what I what I did or love what I did, I'd probably jump off a cliff. You know what I mean? <laughs> for how much I work. But, yeah, yeah. Um, like, that's always a work in progress for me, too. You know, like, definitely it's not, it's not anywhere near the same balance as I would like it to be. But I'm also a believer in, too, that, like, okay, I'm putting in all this time now. Like balance doesn't necessarily have to be like, okay, I spend three days a week on work, three days at the gym, three days like travel, sure, you know what yeah. I mean? Balance could also be in the span of your lifetime. You know what I mean? So you put in a lot of time up front knowing that mm -hmm. down the road, you're going to have a lot more time to kind of like reap some of that reward. You know what I mean? So it's just, I guess the, the lens that you look through. Mm -hmm. um, but right now just being in such a fun, like hyper growth phase of my life, like I want to have more fun personally. I want to be able to travel and surf and do these things that like I've always wanted to do as a kid. Um, but I'm still not even anywhere close, like filling out my dreams of like where I want blenders to be, totally. you know? So, um, yeah, so that's, that's a big challenge, you know, but I'm, I'm surfing as much as I can. I'm boxing. I'm, I'm staying active. Cool. I'm trying to go on dates as much as I can here and there, but like, <laughs>
it's um, I'm swiping when I can, you know, but it's not, <laughs> it's not but working. That's out. going on dates, <laughs> you know. Going on three swipes yesterday, you know. <laughs> Try to put in a couple swipes each day, to see what happens, you know. Are there are there any like personal disciplines you have that like are are musts? Like, hey, nobody gets inside this. Like, is there a I have to surf once a week, or I have to surf? Like, are there certain ones like, man, I have to do this, otherwise I am gonna feel like jumping off a cliff? Yeah, like I I, I box three days a week, and I, cool. I just know like I, I need that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, but boxing came from like. I've always wanted to do it as a kid, but it really came from like when I started to haggle with our factory. I started to not be able to communicate with our factory. When I was in the weeds with our fucking factory talking to them about logo placements and they wouldn't understand me. I would get so fucking angry that they couldn't understand. Like, so I was like, I, I-, I need an outlet. Mm-hmm. I- I'm, I'm going to start boxing. I need to, I need to like start hitting, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I started boxing and like, it's just, it started like releasing a lot of like good, good energy that I needed. And so like those Monday, Wednesday, Friday are days that like, I just know 4:30. the whole staff knows I have a hard stop. I'm out. Don't hit me up. Like I'm going mm-hmm. boxing. Um, now that it's later, I surf after that as much as I can too. That's um, cool. And so, I, and, and then there's trips throughout the year that I, that are non-negotiables that like I just have to do. And mm-hmm. so I'm starting to get there, but, um, you know, it takes time. It takes time. That's funny, man. Cause I, I box as well. And, and I found out first it was like to get the aggression out, but then I realized after I got into it and like looked at it more as a sport, I'm like, dude, this is a, this is a true entrepreneur sport. Oh my God. There's nobody else in there. It's just me. Exactly. So like, exactly. whether it's good or bad, it's it's all on me. And which I think is, is almost like something you become addicted to totally. when you are like running a business, owning a business, or like just whatever walk of life in that world you're in, that you're now attracted to it for different reasons. Whereas totally. first it was like, this manufacturer pissed me off. I got to go punch something other than a person. Yeah. You know, where now it's like, dude, it's feeding some other part of me. Totally. And it's the same. I mean, and it's the same thing in like surfing too. You know, it's like, it's just you out there. True. It's just you and the ocean. Like mm-hmm. you have no one else to blame but yourself. Same thing in the business, same thing in the ring, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so for boxing, it was, yeah, it was like the fitness side of it that I really wanted to challenge on. Surfing, you could put me in the water, I could surf for hours, but like I, I needed a new challenge in my life. I needed something to like stimulate me, to like make me use my brain in different ways, just to challenge me in other areas. And like that was, that was one that, um, that was also humbling too. I was like, oh, I got this. Three minutes is nothing. Humbling's a good word. You take, you take me in there. I'm like, dude, I'm dying. <laughs> Literally dying, you know. Um, so Go, going off of like all this uh, like balance talking, when uh, I'm curious what your your mentality through this entire process has been since since the beginning to now, how that mentality has shifted um, from the days of like, oh shit, like I don't know, we're not going to make this. Like after your first entrepreneur day. Um, to now where you guys are selling, you know, 1500 pairs or how many pairs you guys are selling per day. How has that mentality shift been? I think for, I think for me, I started applying that mentality to all areas of my life. Like, and the best advice I ever got, like was literally when I needed it most was when we were about to literally quit. Like I was like, I had these days where I'm like, dude, you want to quit. You just want to quit. And this guy, I forget his name, but he said like, dude, the only way you're going to fail is if you stop just keep going, mm-hmm. just keep going. And like, to me, I just held on to that all the time. And then like, I started seeing like that just parlayed into like, like nothing good comes easy sort of thing. And like good things take time to build. And, um, and like applying that to all areas of your life, knowing that like, dude, why should I have hit it out of the park on the first night? It was my first rodeo, my yeah, first try. Yeah. I'm, you're expected to suck. And I think nowadays, like people are expected, they need stuff so fast and they expect stuff so fast that they've, their minds are completely warped of like actually what it takes to, to make that happen. Like 
if I've never, you know, snowboarded before, why should I expect to do a 360 air off my first job? Mm-hmm. I should be expected to sit on the bunny slopes for the whole entire, like, six months, you know what I mean, before that happens. So I think, like, when you're young, you just think about that first-round knockout. When you're experienced and you've been doing it for six, seven years, like, I know that, like, anything I do in life is going to take a lot of work if I want to be good at it, you know what I mean? And it's going to take practice, and it's going to take dedication, it's going to take commitment. Like, nothing you do for the first time, you're going you're gonna to crush. You're just not. And so when I've applied that to every area of my life, like boxing, business, and like a new thing I want to do or a new, like anything, you know what I mean? If it's a new product, if it's new, whatever you want to do, just know that it's going to take a lot of time and it's the same mentality in every bucket that you, that you dip your hands into. I think that like that, that sums up the, the base of why we started the show too. And I know we talked offline about that is like, you know, it's, it's an instant gratification world right now where people probably see your thing like, well, I can go buy a, a, a sleeve or a skew of sunglasses and tomorrow be, be in your shoes. And so like the purpose behind this was going, no, 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 you got to hear how it really starts and like the real journey and the real race. And I know, like you said, something that stood out to me when we were figuring out your date and getting you on the show was, Hey, I want to, you said, I want to be clear. I'm, I'm still very much in the weeds. And I wanted to ask why you're here. Like, how do you, how would you compare you're in the weeds now versus in the weeds back then? Cause I'm sure it's like, sometimes it's probably just as you feel just as deep in the weeds, but it's a different type of, of right. weeds as opposed to back then. Yeah. And, and that just becomes more focused around like the team, you know, and it's like, it's not just like me fighting for my own, my own lives here. It's like, I got, I got a whole team underneath me. Like I got to make sure they're, they're, they're dialed, they're provided for, um, they're doing what they have to do. Like we, as a business, as a unit, as a, as a team, like are all moving forward. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like as the tides rise, like all ships rise with it sort of thing. And so for me, like, it's not just about me anymore, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so it's about, it's about them and it's about our customers and it's about like, it's not about what makes Chase happy. It's mm-hmm. about like what's best for the business and what's best for the team. So I think for me, that's adjusting to that and understanding that mm-hmm. like going from like zero employees to now we have 25 full time. And like, that's insane. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of people. And I've never managed like, I'm not a good manager. I'm, I'm a good <laughs> micromanager, but I'm not a good manager. Yeah, yeah. You know? So like you put me in the weeds, I'll, I'll, I'll be the best weed whacker, you know, you know, <laughs> but like you put me at the high level, like the top, 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 like I'm still learning the ropes of that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, 25 personalities and dynamics and emotions. And I mean, yeah, you're you know, all kinds of stuff, you know, HR, like you're dealing with, yeah, exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. there's people have like things outside their lives too. Like sometimes you forget that you spend so much time with them at work, but they also have lives outside of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and some, sometimes they have bad days. Sometimes I have bad days. Like they go through breakups. Like everybody goes <laughs> through their own shit. And it's like, you just have to understand how to work with people on, on, on certain levels. And not everyone that you work with is going to like be coached and learn by the same the same values or the same lessons as other people. Definitely. Is there anything in, in 2019, I know we've talked a lot about the years back and the initial days and, and the like fight through this whole process. Is there anything now current day? Cause I told you as you got in here this morning, um, I just drove by for the first time and saw the storefront with in PB, which is pretty fucking rad. Um, so I'm sure that was a, a big milestone and a big like celebration on your guy, you and your team's end. Is there anything in 2019? Cause I know, and that just happened. So it probably could be boxed into this category. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in 2019 you can talk about, maybe can't, but can talk about that like you're really fired up about? Yeah, I mean, definitely like the store, super fired up about that. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to be super cool because where the industry's going, like new direct-to-consumer brands like are opening up their own stores. And like that's what kind of creates that offline experience. Not your traditional surf shop wholesale stores, but like creating your own flagship stores. So like you control the experience in-house and you control the experience out of house. 
um, which is really cool. So I'm fired up for that. And uh, a lot of the partnerships we're doing, like a lot of the athlete ambassador stuff that we're doing, like mm -hmm. has been a goal of mine since the beginning. Like as this, you know, coming from surfing and like being starstruck by the big athletes, like now I'm like starting to like familiarize myself with like, okay, how do we work with the top dogs in the industry? How do we start building actual real like brand ambassadors on like a professional, like elite level? Yeah. Um, and so I'm really excited for that. Like we just signed Lakey Peterson, who's the world's like number two best, best women surfer in the world. No way. Um, and so like trying to really go into these different, these different sectors now and really go into them hard. Are you doing um, athletes outside of surfing? Are you looking at other? Yeah. So we I mean, we, we had like an Olympic snowboarder. We're going to go into skating, skydiving, um, ski, like all different active lifestyle. Like we're going to go like really deep into these different sectors and just really start pushing blenders into those sectors because what about, uh, cause I know you said Gareth was your favorite yeah. DJ. What about in the entertainers? Cause I, I mean, we, at, at some of our events, we have, um, like, pretty big guys walk in and they're wearing blenders and I'm sure it's just an organic wear cause they're fans of the sunglasses. Are there guys or has there been an, Hey, I want to get Gareth Emery. Yeah. So Gareth, we, we, we did Gareth in 2014. Oh, no way. Actually. So I, I ended up telling, I, I, I was like, after that night happened, like the whole idea and we started getting some traction, I had to tell him the story. So I like emailed him, emailed him, emailed him and he never responded. And then finally I got in touch with him and it's, it was actually his sister and his <laughs> sister said, he heard your story, Chase. He wants to work with you. And I fucking jumped out of bed. And I was like, I, I went into that office that day and I was like, nothing else matters right now except we got to focus on Gareth's sunglasses and we got to do them now, you know? And so I was able to work with him on a custom Electric for Life, like his podcast and his whole like um, music show that he has to create like two unique styles. And we had like a charity component to that. So like, no way. Personally, that was a huge like. That was a huge win for me. Do you get you know? to sit down? Like, do you meet with him? Personally? Yeah, now we're like, now we're like homies. We like text and stuff. And that's so cool. He comes to San Diego. We grab dinner. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah. Since it's, it's it's so cool, you know. And you do a lot of collabs like that. Yeah. With like bigger bigger partners or events mm -hmm. or like brands or yeah. artists, right? Yeah, we just got a new partnership with Yacht Week, so oh, we nice. signed a two year deal or two year deal with them, um, which is pretty sweet. So like, that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, and so like these these types of deals are what I'm really fired up for and like excited to work on. That's really cool, man. Is there, is there, uh, well, I know we talked a lot about, um, different failures you've had with different products. Is there one particular project that failed, but you're still so passionate about it that you're not willing to give up that you want to like, I don't know whether it's repackage it or t tinker with it a little bit that you still want to go after? Yeah. I mean, I, I still have a lot of, I mean, I, th I think there's still influence in some of the deals that we've had in the past that I didn't, that may not have been the biggest, you know what I mean? Like some of the DJ deals that we did, like mm -hmm. were really cool on the brand side, but like ROI side, like not the best ROI, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I, I don't want to give that up yet because I, I, I'm still so passionate about that. Mm -hmm. Um, but we did a deal with the chargers, like when the chargers like were in San Diego and it was their last year in San Diego that I was so like passionate about that. I was like, dude, this is going to crush it. And it ended up just flopping the whole no thing way. the whole thing flopped um qualcomm the like the sunniest stadium in the country the sunniest stadium in the country does not sell sunglasses what that's the fuck? crazy yeah oh my god what better what, what better <laughs> what better opportunity um and so i was very confident that that was going to hit and that was going to work and the whole thing just flopped was, was there any reason with that particular why why you think it didn't work why it didn't catch i think we, it's a local brand like it's san diego brand san diego team we had a lot of challenges with that like at the time of our production that our products were supposed to ship our factory got hit by a typhoon two typhoons Holy in two shit. months 
and the, the whole factory almost got wiped out. So our production was late. It was supposed to land in August for, for preseason. It landed in like late September. So we were th three games in, just already late. We, we did way too many styles. We did like eight different colorways, too many options. Should have just done one. Um, the guy that we were working with wasn't really all that, he didn't really care about it all that much because it was like a, I, I sold them on a paid, paid by performance deal. Like we had to pay a, a sponsorship fee, but the whole thing was on like how many pairs we sold. Um, they just didn't really care about it that much, didn't sell. And then Chargers flipped and went to LA like right off the bat. It was just like the whole thing was just a mess. So it didn't transfer with it never LA. It never transferred. Everything just fell apart. We had all this inventory that we were stuck with that we couldn't sell. We didn't know what to do with. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was a bummer because I thought that one was going to hit for sure. Dang, man. Um, so, I mean, one of the things we always kind of wind things down with and wrap up with it is, is if you is if you could give a, a piece of advice to someone who was in your shoes and back in the day and in the weeds right now that's listening, watching, or tuning in, um, what would that what would your advice be? Whether they're starting a brand like this or whether they're pursuing a career or anything and they're just like super super deep in the weeds like we've all been, what would you, from your personal and professional standpoint, what would your advice be to them? I would say like everything you see on Instagram nowadays, like erase that mm -hmm. and just understand that like success and hard work and results like that stuff happens in privacy and it doesn't just happen overnight and if you really want to like develop a brand like you got to understand it's going to take years to build um and it's going to take years to build trust credibility um you know your your product line like i only know from starting a brand from literally zero dollars i don't know what it's like to start with a lot of money so um i'm just speaking on behalf of like literally starting from the ground up um make an amazing product win every customer and win a, and, and win the day like win the day just make sure you're winning every single day just focus on that one day at a time and make sure you can do the best job possible i think that's great advice where can everybody find you where do they go where's the best place so check out our website blendershour.com or you can check out our insta at blenders eyewear um or my insta is just chase fisher cool or you can come by our office anytime smash a burrito and Get some shades. <laughs> I mean, we're we're all, we're in summer now. It's summer months, yeah. so we're gonna definitely stop on by. Maybe the next one we'll do inside the inside your store. Shades but on epic. the whole. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we should all put shades on, huh? <laughs> cool, man. Thanks for coming. Cool. In. Thanks so much.